Hi everyone, this is Jay and welcome to another episode of 50 Shades of Jay. Um, today I'm going to be talking about um, COVID. <laughs> it's something I've, um, you know, I've touched upon, you know, especially talking with Ian on a previous podcast. But I've kind of skirted around this a little bit a few times and I don't know, it never really felt like the right time to go into it. And I'm not even sure now is, but I definitely have a feeling inside me more these days that uh, a need for an expression around this. Um. So I'm going to try today and see how this goes because it feels like there's so, so, so much that um, I could go into. And I'm not sure how much I feel I need to express, but I think half of today's episode is, is a little bit of a personal cathartic need to express myself around COVID. And I hope this relates to some people. And I just want to say as well, I'm not speaking about this to be divisive in any way it's more just an expression and a need within myself but also probably I feel a lot of people relate to this and it's a conversation I think that needs to be had more and people need to be more vocal about and it's something that I'm not seeing it's not really something that I'm seeing happen and I would like for that to happen more um I've experienced a lot of things in my life and I've had, a, you know, a very full life. <laughs> I, you know, I've said this before, I feel like in some ways I've had met a few lives, you know, I've had a very varied life from a different background and I've experienced a lot that, that life has to offer. And I think what I've experienced in the last few years around COVID and lockdowns is just uh, in in some ways is um, unexplainable and it kind of tapped into quite a few things for me that are very raw and I'm sure this is the same for everybody and I didn't think this was something that maybe I would experience. It's kind of the things that you you might read about in far reaches of our planet in other countries, these tyrannical uh, genocides or these tyrannical kind of regimes and powers that um, exist in other parts of the world that you kind of say to yourself, oh, I'm so glad I don't live there or I'm so glad I didn't grow up in a place like that. And it feels very far removed from what we might think of as the the safe West in inverted commas, you know, this uh, idea that potentially in, in the West, in Europe, especially in Northern Europe, you know, that we have this uh, aspirational sort of culture of um, safety and common sense. <laughs> I think that's a word I'm probably going to bring up, a phrase I'm going to bring up a lot today is common sense. Um, you know, that we have a a certain lifestyle where we feel it's democratic and fair and people have a lot of choice and freedom in their life. And I think that 
I'm going to paraphrase someone else on this. That uh, for me, I think the COVID thing and lockdowns and everything that's played out around this for me was um, it really highlighted how things are. It kind of really put a magnifying glass on how in bed and how what's the word how things really are playing out in terms of corporations and governments in terms of financial but also this incessant need for control and power you know it's uh, I feel like the COVID situation has really made it so visible and I guess with the the fact that we have the internet and social media and other platforms where people can, <laughs> I say speak freely, but uh, that's something that's definitely not happening, uh, to make this stuff more visible around what's actually kind of happening. But um, everybody was affected during this. And, you know, I grew up in a poor part of South London with very anti-authoritarian roots and... Uh, you know, especially where I grew up, you didn't really trust the police. You didn't really trust the authority. Um, and you questioned it for sure. My father brought me up that way to always question authority. And I think that stayed with me my whole life. And it definitely, I say, aided me um, with what was imposed on us around mandates and lockdowns and... Uh, you know, so I've always had that in me to be critical and to question authority and not to take things for granted. And like I say, where I grew up, you know, you you can tell when someone's trying to sell you something and you know when someone's bullshitting you. And uh, for other reasons I might get into later, I've got a very good nose for being gaslit. <laughs> you know, manipulation control and people's... Um, motives not being genuine and honest and I think we talk, I've gone into this before but my gut feeling my spider sense you know my radar of uh, bullshit and gaslighting went off off the charts around this whole thing from the get-go from the beginning you know there was this voice inside of me that was manifesting physical there's a sensation in my body where I kind of knew what I was being told and what I was being asked to do in terms of mandates, lockdowns, all of this incessant need for control and measurement, that there was something fundamentally, I can't find the right words for that, but uh, inherently wrong with the whole thing. You know, I've never voted in my life. I said this before when I talked to Ian because I'd never... It's not, I don't think government is a, is a bad thing. It's just that uh, I never felt like there was anyone in the UK that represented a way of living that I would agree with. And fundamentally, I looked at all sides of political parties to be inherently corrupt. And I kind of knew back then, without the knowledge that I have now, the feeling I had then that it wasn't a trustworthy thing to invest my time and energy into. 
And it wasn't something I saw that would make any visible change to life as I knew it in the UK that I thought was holistic and not inherently corrupt and structured in a way of benefiting certain class systems and not benefiting other class systems. So, and I still feel that way, even well, even more so these days. But um, what's really made this clearer to me is um, seeing this through the lens of Ian McIlchrist's work on the hemispheres. And as he says, and I'm paraphrasing, I feel the world is becoming a much greater manifestation of the left hemisphere, this incessant need for control, to manipulate, to to not see the interconnectedness of things, to to get off, to feel powerful and the need for control is this a self-sufficient self-fulfilling prophecy, this this need to dominate and pick things apart and break them down into small pieces and control everything. This this is what I see manifesting and I think the lockdown and and corona was a was a peak in our society of that happening. And and it, it, I'd say it's scary in a way. Um, I didn't think I would ever see a, a dictator style um, force come into play where censorship on information and people being uh, shadow banned and shamed and uh, taken out in a way from um, having a voice that had a different opinion than what the government was putting out. I mean, it really, everyone is saying this, but it kind of screams this Orwellian, um, tyrannical kind of lifestyle, this way of imposing rules and regulations on people. Uh, out of fear and control and I don't want to live in a society like that I don't want to live in a in a world like that and before this is one of the reasons I left the UK I, I grew inherently unhappy and displeased with the way things were going in the UK and I didn't want to live somewhere like that you know back then it was like a case of maybe moving to another country and finding a country and a society and a culture that I was more in line with. And that's one of the main reasons I left the UK, actually. This was back in 2016, but I was thinking this is a long time before that. I was trying to travelling and trying to find a way in, in the world where I could uh, feel more free. And I felt by living in the UK, I was sort of almost supporting a government supporting a sort of system that I felt was inherently corrupt and wrong. And I was growing more displeased with what the UK was doing abroad um, with wars and finances. And I didn't really feel connected to that anymore. It's not a culture that I, I feel connected to anymore either. But uh, so I, you know, I moved, I traveled and I tried to find places to live where I felt more connected to. And I said this to Ian, you know, before I felt like I could, I could kind of escape what I didn't agree with and find a place in the world to be, uh, to live out my life in a way where I felt more in balance and more 
connected to my environment. And what COVID did for me in these lockdowns was it became a world of what I didn't want. It became an imposed, controlling, fear-based view of living. And there was no escape, you know, I felt trapped. I'm sure everybody did. And I'm I'm going to say this a lot. I'm sure there's worse stories than mine, 100%. My story is uh, my own. And I'm, I know for sure there's much, much worse stories. But And I know we all lost a lot of things, people, finances, physical, mental health. Um, there's a cost of lockdowns and the cost of what was illegally and unethically imposed on me and everyone else is, I, I don't think you can measure that. And with all the fucking measuring that was going on, uh, there's no, there doesn't seem to be too much measuring of that now, you know. There's people that were very close to me that died I couldn't see. And financially, uh, yeah, I couldn't work for almost the entire time. I mean, I don't want to go into the, my own personal loss and uh, around that because we all have a different story and I'm not sure I'm sure it's that important but uh, not being able to see people that were close to me that died was definitely difficult and uh, you know all out of this fake story of saving lives not spreading the virus uh, masks, lockdowns, uh, you know, I knew in my gut the whole thing was bullshit, you know, I knew it from the beginning. It went against every kind of common sense thing I ever grew up with around the way getting sick was with healthy people, you know. I think back then I thought to myself, okay, if this is really going on, why don't we just kind of take care of people that are vulnerable, let the rest of the population is in generally in pretty good condition and let them catch it and let them fight it and get better and then we'll have this kind of herd immunity with natural immunity which you know common sense i knew this i think everyone knew this back then is better but this mass psychosis this propaganda of a bullshit that was constantly being pushed down our throats around fear uh, it's, it's literally lunacy and when I think of McGill Christ's work around the left hemisphere around how right hemisphere damage where people are solely really reliant on their left hemisphere which really kind of mimics schizophrenia it is like madness you know these psychopathic sociopathic people that are in power that look at the way, look at the world in the way they do and imposing that on the rest of us in the way that it was is sickening. It's, uh, I'm so angry, you know, I'm so fucking angry that a little bit, I was angry with myself for a while. I kind of almost allowed it to happen. I was angry that I allowed myself to live that way and to just go along with this psychopathic bullshit way of living that I knew in my gut was inherently wrong. I knew it was inherently wrong. There was a few things I tried to do to kind of stand my ground 
and to kind of do what I felt was ethically and just common sense correct. But for a while, I've, I was actually angry with myself for so almost like allowing this craziness to go on and, and not kind of speaking out more, standing up for myself and other people more. Um, I had to let that go and I realised that anger needed to be directed elsewhere. But um, And I think most people were, were just trying to do their best. But it's amazing what people do when they're afraid. And what's obviously apparent now, and I kind of knew through the whole of this, and I don't mean that in a like, check me out, I, I was right. I just trust my gut feeling on on everything, my intuition over anything. And my intuition was screaming at me, literally screaming at me through my body and everything that this is inherently wrong. And the whole, the whole agenda of that was sick and evil and dark and not coming from a good place. And what I understand now from McGillchrist's work was just, it, it was like an epiphany, a light bulb went off with, this is how society is being played out these days, largely with so many people, so many of these people in power, really just operating out of the left hemisphere of their brain and just getting a kick out of it, just feeding that narcissistic sociopathic need for control and authoritarian sort of rule sets that we've all lived under for such a long time. You know, this bullshit around distancing, closing places of physical and mental health well-being, gyms, yoga studios, you name it, you know, places that make people feel good. And the worst one, the social distancing and the masks, you know, just how to really make people feel like fucking shit, you know? And now we know, and we knew this, we knew the masks was bullshit. We all, we all fucking knew this, you know? But layers and layers of propaganda pushed down people's throat, you get gaslit. This is like gaslit like 101. You start to question yourself. You start to question what you thought you knew, what you thought was just basic common sense, the stuff that you'd grown up with, that it's good to get dirty. It's, I grew up like that, yeah? It's good to get a bit sick so that your body gets stronger, you know? I always grew up like that. I've traveled, I've traveled a lot around my life, around the world. And I think one of the benefits to that is it's made my immune system very strong. I never really get sick in my stomach. I take what I believe to be good care of my physical and mental health. And I feel independently strong in my body without a reliance on the health system so much. And so for me, this was an easier road to take in terms of being uh, not pro-vaccine because I had a complete trust in my own immune system and my own ability to deal with this virus. I didn't, I was not afraid. Even with all the bullshit propaganda that was being pushed out, my gut feeling was that there's something wrong with this whole agenda, you know. Even before the vaccine came out, I kind of knew that the intention of it was wrong and it was bad and that I shouldn't trust what was being pushed and I'm not, you know, I wasn't sort of super suspicious of mainstream media then. I just thought mainstream media really was just something that was generally fear-based, you know. I'd never really read the news because it just made you feel quite down. It's like this 
network of people and businesses that generally focus on the negative things in the world. And it's like, that doesn't need to be my life. But as we all know from going through this, the, the, these media corporations are just kind of funnels for government and corporations to use manipulation tactics to get people to do what they want. And I, and it's becoming very clear now. And like I said, I feel like I knew this from the beginning. Masks, lockdowns, social distancing, closing of, well, everything. How many people lost the business? How many people went bankrupt? How many marriages broke down? How many people committed suicide? How many people have inherent fear and anxiety that they don't probably really know where it comes from after going through this? How many people are just very unwell that probably they don't really know why, you know? But living that way for so long is just sickening. It's just sickening that this can be imposed on people through fear, you know, using lies and manipulation tactics to get people to do what they think is the right thing to do. And that's really what I think is the root of this problem is a group of people who are inherently sociopathic and narcissistic and possibly psychopathic thinking that they know better than me or you or anyone else about what to do with our lives what information is correct and what is not. And then what's become apparently clear is the massive doctoring of information to push that agenda. It's, it's literally insane. I mean, it's stuff you read. I mean, I've read 1984 as a kid at school and it's, it's dysto this kind of dystopian controlling way of a small group of people wanting to remain in power and control power to get people to do what they want. And it, you know, you, you kind of think this is going on in China or the old USSR or places that we grew up thinking, oh, you know, again, I'm glad I don't live there. I'm glad I don't live in that society because that must feel awful, no freedom. And it's become very clear that that's kind of in a way where we live now and it's a bit bizarre, really. The whole thing's a bit of a, feels like a bit of a bad dream. But what I think's really strange is that people just aren't really talking about it. Even after what's coming out has come out, you know, just, it's become so clear now. Um, and maybe that's why I feel a bit ready to talk about this, is that that's actually kind of what went down. That's the way things got played out. I don't really know what other people are like in terms of their intuition and gut feeling, but it's madness. You know, it felt like living in fucking madness, you know. There's so many things I could think about that I felt were examples, but it was just lunacy, you know. I, I, I stopped wearing the fucking masks. I just thought, I don't mind being an odd person out, you know. I don't mind being someone that other people will point the finger at or... You know, I, I think it's more important to stand up for what I feel is right. But, you know, I went into a coffee shop where I live and, you know, can you put your mask on, please? And, you know, I, I didn't for a while. And eventually it was just got to the point where I know these people are good people and they're just trying to follow orders. They're trying to do what they think is right. So you kind of go along with it. 
And by going along with it, you're kind of gaslighting yourself, you know, you're kind of telling yourself that this is okay, it's crazy. So you'd wear a mask to go into the coffee shop, order a coffee, walk three meters over to a table and sit down and you can take it off. And we all know that's fucking madness, yeah? We all know that that is crazy. But we go along with it. And I think just people are compliant. People wanna just feel like they're doing the right thing. And that's what was lies about this. You know, this whole saving lives, these lies around uh, spreading the virus, these lies around uh, what you can and cannot touch, and this complete gaslighting of making people feel responsible for other people's health is disgusting. And that's the thing I felt really opposed to the most in the beginning, because I'm not responsible for other people's health at all. You know, we all take individual responsibility for our health. I feel that strongly. I'm a very generous person. I help people a lot, but fundamentally I'm not responsible for anyone else's health, safety or happiness. I'm just not, and none of us are. And I think that whole bullshit agenda of trying to manipulate people into some guilt and shame around feeling responsible for other people's health was just inherently wrong. And I think that's what started with this like them and us, this shaming thing. And people will do a lot of crazy things when they're shamed and they feel guilt. And especially when they're afraid. And those things for me were just pushed down our fucking throats for like a couple of years, yeah? I mean, literally pushed down our throats. And, you know, I, I didn't take the vaccine, yeah? I knew I didn't. Not, not because initially I thought it was... Uh, like a bad thing to do is when, when I heard the that vaccine come out, I thought, okay, this might end all this lockdown bollocks, you know, if people wanted to take a vaccine because it makes them feel better about their health, that's cool. You can do what you want with your own body, you know, it's fine, but I'm not going to take that. Yeah. So that's not for me, especially when something gets rolled out so quickly and from what I understand, there's no accountability from that on these pharmaceuticals companies who I wouldn't trust as far as I can throw them. But also, you know, again, I trust my health. I take responsibility for my own health and I'm very active about that, yeah? So I kind of knew that, you know, catching it normally, naturally, I felt very confident about that. And it's cool. If you don't feel confident about that and you're worried about that, maybe you should take a vaccine, but that's totally up to you. Forcing other people to do that, I thought was another this another insanity thing, and I knew that I knew that that was coming from a a bad place, intention wise. The government, the pharmaceutical industries, these health associations, I knew in my gut that this is a financial thing, this is a control thing, this is not about people's health. All the manipulation all the propaganda, all of the lies was push, push, push to get people to fall in line and eventually, I guess, take this vaccine. There was definitely an agenda for that. I think I'd be shocked if anyone doesn't agree with that, to be honest, now, after what's gone on. You know, I keep an eye on certain things these days and... Uh, I'm curious to how people feel about actually taking the vaccine now. Because the minority group that I was in 
there was a lot of shaming and blaming for people like me around not taking it. And again, I thought that was inherently wrong. And I'm not going to uh, rinse people for that or, you know, condemn people for that. I think people were afraid and in a in a dark place in their life. And I think when you were felt forced to take something that maybe in deep down in you, whether you're conscious of it or not, knew that it wasn't a good thing to do, maybe you need an outlet for that. Maybe there needs to be a way to express that. But I'm curious to ha how people feel about having taken that vaccine because I am totally glad I didn't put that in my body, especially after reading what I do these days around the adverse effects around these jabs. I'm uh, I'm glad I trusted my gut and I'm glad that I trusted my intuition around what I thought was the right thing to do for me and I wasn't afraid to stand by that, you know. And again, I'm not like glorifying myself, it's just my own personal choice, but that's something I'm glad for. And my whole podcast really is about intuition and making yourself strong, believing in yourself really, and health. These are kind of like messages that I'm very proactive about. I, I try to live a life where I promote individual um, self-empowerment and also people's belief in themselves around their health and their ability to heal themselves and not relying on pharmaceuticals companies who don't give a fuck about you, who are trying to make money out of you and making people afraid of something to take a drug is just disgusting. It's just appalling you know I don't know how these people fucking sleep at night I mean they must be so disembodied and disconnected from reality in a way that they can just go around continuing to just just like money control power it's just disgusting it's just uh, appalling you know it's just really really disgusting it's crazy literally psychopathic sociopathic you know and it felt like we was living in this like delusional time you know and it, people are just trying to get by it and most people are good people you know I think even the people that work in the health industry in the UK and here in Norway were pushing out these messages of vaccines and lockdowns and promoting it I mean they're just doing their job I think they're just you know top-down messages and thinking that they just want to do their job and not thinking very critically but just trying to just do their job and do what they thought was a good thing at the time, which I don't think it was. None of it was. But I think fundamentally people are good people and they're just trying to do what they think is the right thing. But like I say, it's amazing what people will do when they're afraid. And I think people will do a lot of things they don't really agree with or really believe in when they're scared. And that's another message I try to put through massively on this podcast is trying to remove fear, trying to go into the things that make you afraid and challenging that and overcoming those things to making yourself feel strong to adversity, being uncomfortable. You know, for a long period during this COVID thing, I felt really uncomfortable, but it was all right. I think I'm okay in that place where I'm not vaccinated or I'm making some decisions that are not going along with what other people think and feel, and I'm totally fine with that. I don't mind being seen by people in a negative way. 
And I think a lot of people took the vaccine because they don't like that place. They don't like being uncomfortable. They don't like being the odd one out. I, I heard a lot of conversations around this. Not wanting to be that person at work. Not wanting to be this person that's uh, different from everyone else, you know. And that's, I understand that it's difficult to do that. It's difficult to be uh, independent. It's difficult to be different from other people, especially when they have strong opinions around what you should and shouldn't do. I have a lot of compassion for that. But fundamentally, I'd like to see people more, uh, more able to do that, more able to think critically and to be uncomfortable and to stand up for what you think is right. I mean, you know, it was a mad time. I'm not criticising people. It's just observations around what went on and what I would like to see, and especially moving forward. And I'm sure there's a lot more distrust in government and uh, what you might think is the health industry, which really is a fucking business going forward. You know, I mean, I, I use the health in industry very, very sparingly. And I know that when I go in there, it's a business. I know when I go in there, there's a... There's definitely a an agenda to sell something and to make money off of something. And that's why I try to promote as much as I can people being able to heal themselves physically and mentally on their own or within a holistic framework which isn't reliant on pharmaceutical industry. It's just, it's definitely the way forward. <laughs> but, you know, it was a mad time. Actually, where I practiced yoga at the time, which was obviously shut down, uh, some classes could work, you know, this was more, this is another example, like the delusional thing. So at the beginning of it, I think it was like, you couldn't go to the gym or yoga, but if you were doing self-training, you could, or some bullshit like that. So actually Mysore Astanga Yoga, the practice that I teach and practice, you know, this was allowed to be open because it's classed as a self-practice, but other classes couldn't. And I didn't agree with this. I didn't go to Mysore. I didn't go to the Mysore Ashtanga class because I thought, what am I doing? I'm just, I'm promoting something that is inherently crazy. Just by calling it self-practice instead of a group class, That that then that's like okay for the virus or like the, the propaganda that was put out. And I thought, this is bullshit. This is, this is crap. This is like manipulating words and, and that, uh, to make something okay and something not. And I thought this is a very clear example of why what we're going through is, is crazy and I don't want to promote that. So I stopped going, you know, until it was fair, until it was equal because I didn't want to promote more of this crazy messaging, crazy double think. You know, I'm thinking about this Orwell book now, just just total madness, you know, like mad... I can't really think of a better way to describe it. You know, it felt like living in madness. It was sort of people doing double standards and just finding loopholes for things to keep things, some things open and some things closed. It, you know, it was crazy, like totally crazy time. But, uh, you know, it's just like a lack of common sense. You know, it's just when you apply what I grew up with largely, which is just, a strong foundation, I think, in common sense, you could kind of see that this is not what's going on. There is there is no common sense being applied to this. It's people following 
top-down orders and levels of control and lies and measurement and manipulation I've never experienced in my life, you know, and I never want to experience again. And, I, and I'm going to say to myself, I won't, you know, this is, I made a promise to myself after this that I will not live that way ever again. I will never allow a person or a group of people to affect my life so much in that way, you know, because it affected me massively as it or did everybody. And no one has the right to do that. And especially when we just sit back and allow it to happen. It's, uh, we have a lot more power than we think. And individually, I can't talk for other people, but I have to make a stand on that. That's, uh, I can't live that way again. You know, in, in a way I feel fortunate because I was living in Norway at the time, uh, which was a lot better than other places. Um, but I was quite new to living here and it was kind of strange being in a foreign country during that time. And a lot was going on in my life at that time with my own family who were in different parts of the world. And I can say someone very dear to me died. Um, it was just a crazy period moving to a new country. And yeah, it was very unnerving. And at the time going through a lot of things I was going through on a personal level, there was a lot of fear stuff going on then too, which I'm sure was amplified by this crazy period of living. And I might do another episode just on fear actually. I know and I've done one on fear before, but I've got a very specific uh, story about this that I think could maybe really good to share because the more I think about what's gone on uh, around COVID and this period, the more it's highlighted me, highlighted to me the, the importance of not being afraid and I don't mean um, the obvious, you know, like if you see a rattlesnake or four guys are following you down an alleyway where, you know, your, your fight or flight system is, it needs to be there. It's warning you of an inherent danger. It's warning you of something that's about to go down that you need to, you know, your, your adrenaline needs to kick in. Your nervous system needs to be up to prepare for something that's about to happen. I'm talking about emotional trauma, some fear, like irrational fear uh, that doesn't need to be there, that affects our decision-making so much. And like I said, I've got a good example of that that I've kind of worked through. And especially using the Ashtanga Yoga system to kind of navigate that has been life-changing so but uh just going back to the covid thing you know yeah just a fear and i think governments and institutions and these media outlets know that people are much more compliant when they're afraid and people make bad decisions when they're afraid people aren't really in tune with their intuition and uh, their gut feeling when they're scared because they're in a completely different space you know they're it's fight or flight, it's anxiety, it's fear, it's... You want someone else to take control and tell you what to do. And I think that's what these institutions not rely on, is people to be in a state of doubt and anxiety 
and probably in a position where they're not really trusting their own thoughts and feelings and they want someone else to come in and tell them what to do. And I don't want to live in a world where that's like that. I don't want my friends and family, I don't want people around me to feel like that in their lives. I never want to live like that. It's the worst place I can ever think of being, is in a place of fear where I don't trust my own thoughts and my own decisions around what's right or wrong. That's uh, that's scary. That's a scary place to me, is, is to be there where you, you doubt yourself, you doubt your own intuition, you doubt what you think is right and what you think is wrong, and then you stay quiet about it. To me, this is the... That's, a, that's the downfall of things, you know, when people are like that. And I, like I say, I advocate practices that encourage uh, self-belief, the trust in the self, to think clearly, to trust your intuition and to heal your own body through practices that you trust that aren't around money and aren't around financial gain. And I'll continue to advocate that till the day I die that's something I you know I firmly believe in it's one of my life uh, I don't want to call it a goal but it's my passion is to uh, be a a conduit for that to, to kind of allow that to come through me because it's something that I have built my life around and it's been so life-changing for me is to to find that space in myself where I can be more like that. And I really want to promote that to other people because I feel like it's such a a benefit to society for ourselves and for everyone around us. But uh, yeah, I digress. But, uh, you know, like I say, Norway wasn't too bad in some ways, but uh, there's a lot of trust in the government here. Probably there's less now, and I think that there should be. There definitely should be less trust in the Norwegian government because they were spitting out the same bullshit as everyone else. And again, I'm not really going to be happy until I see people held accountable for what went down. And I think a lot of people need to be held accountable. And I think people on an individual basis should be doing a lot of self-reflecting on what they did and didn't do during this period. And to be honest with themselves around what they didn't do during this period and to make personal changes and choices within themselves that uh, that will not allow that to happen again on an individual level, you know. I, I mentioned this to Ian once and there's a great BBC documentary about World War Two, uh, I can't remember the name. But you can probably look it up, but it's called something like uh, "Lessons from the Past" or something like that. And really, it was about the rise of the Nazis in Germany. And the thing that I took away from that the most was that, like, a lot of good people in Germany allowed that to unfold. You know, a lot of people sat by. And slowly by slowly, that evil power became a force within the world and Europe. And what I don't want to see is people sit by and allow tyrannical dictators with psychopathic tendencies 
to indoctrinate our way of thinking and living here in in the world and especially here in, in Europe in the West where I live because we can do something about that and I don't want I don't want to see us sit back and let things like this happen and it's it's a slow trickle you know it's like all of a sudden a year or two into COVID and you're like I'm living in a fucking dream world this is a nightmare what the fuck is going on how did this happen how the fuck did we get here and I don't want to be in a position where we're like that. Like I say, I used to feel like I could escape all this kind of crap and live in India and Bali and other places I've lived and find pockets of the world. But it's seeming, it's becoming more difficult to do that as this left hemisphere way of thinking is sort of spreading this incessant need for control and to manipulate things, to control things. It's, uh, it's something I'm completely against and... Like I say, I've tried to live in a way that advocates the opposite of that. And I've tried to make life changes and choices to promote what I know to be now a more right hemisphere, a left hemisphere way of thinking. Uh, I get confused with this whenever I say it. A right hemisphere way of thinking. This way of seeing the world in this more interconnected way. This dropping the need for so much control and to manipulate things to our own needs and just seeing the bigger picture being more understanding of the ups and downs and allowing things to just play out and uh, really I, you know a lot of what I'm talking about today, I think it's just a bit of a rant, an event, because I think it's good for me to do that. I think I find it difficult to find people to actually have this conversation with because it's like a lot of people just want to forget about it, I think, and move on. And I think that that's wrong. There's an avoidant tendency there. And again, I have practices that are not about avoidance. My practices are, are about conf confrontation and meeting what is there whether you like it or not. And I think there needs to be more of that right now and less of uh, avoiding and trying to forget what happened over the last couple of years. Um, like I say, I feel a bit lucky where I lived in Norway, but like I have friends who are Canadian and um, obviously I'm connected to the UK, but seeing what was going on in other countries, especially in Canada, you know, I was I was really kind of supporting the trucker protest over there after what I saw. Uh, this, this psychopathic Trudeau guy, you know, just... Again, I think that guy is probably the epitome of what I'm talking around with this left hemisphere way of thinking of control and manipulation. And it was really disheartening to see what was going on in other parts of the world where this doubling down, you know, this inability to reflect and admit mistakes, this inability to see yourself as you are, and this incessant need to just push, 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 push the same agenda, even if it doesn't make any fucking sense at all. And that's what I saw a lot everywhere was people's fragility, you know, this fragility, this glass ego, this crazy world of people that live in this bubble of uh, narcissism uh, 
this inability to self-reflect and admit you were wrong. So what do you do when you do that? You go even harder with the same message. And we've all experienced this, you know, we've all had arguments with someone where you can see that they're in the wrong. You can both see that that person's in the wrong, but they're unable to see themselves uh, as someone who made a mistake. So what do they do? They they scream louder, they shout more, and their, their arguments, their points that they originally had get more extreme. They become even more um, delusional. Uh, the lies get bigger, the stories get longer, you know, cracks start to appear, but rather than being self-critical and acknowledge what you might have done wrong, you just keep pushing and pushing more in the opposite direction. And that's what I largely see around this COVID uh, storyline is people, governments, institutions, inability to be self-critical and reflect on mistakes they've made. So it's either keep it quiet, don't talk about it, or push even harder with the same agenda, push even harder with the same message to try to force it out. And I don't think that's going to happen with this. And I really hope that, uh, I think the truth always comes out in the end, but um, how much of it will come out, I'm not really sure. But uh, it's kind of a life lesson in a way, I think, for people to see this happen. Because if you're unable to be self-critical and if you're unable to acknowledge mistakes you've made, you're always going to live in this delusional world of lies and it must be exhausting, you know. It's, I mean, we've all lied about things when we, you know, especially when we were young, maybe you just, <laughs> I don't know, you know, but it's exhausting to lie. It's exhausting to keep telling stories and you, you start painting layers and layers and impressions of bullshit, which probably after some time, you're not even sure how many you've told or what the original story was. And I think when you're in that place, you're lost. You're fragile, you're weak and you're lost. And that's the way I see these people who keep pushing out these lies and rubbish, complete rubbish stories around this. They're fragile people that have an inability to be self-critical. And like I say, seeing this play out in other countries is... Uh, it's crazy. I mean, really, it's literally the epitome of of crazy. But, um, you know, just doubling down and avoiding, avoidant behaviour. And I'm grateful for the practices I've got in my life that are not about avoiding. They're definitely around digging and seeing what's there and um, being honest with yourself about who you really are and I think really you can't operate at a higher level you can't really love you can't really be vulnerable and connected to people if you're not able to be honest and critical of yourself and I feel sorry for people in a way that are on that path or have gone down that path um because you're not really experiencing life to its fullest. Maybe you have power, maybe you have money, maybe you're able to manipulate and control people, maybe you're how to kind of, you feel good about wearing 
certain clothes and driving certain cars and meeting with the same kind of people that share the same sort of outlook on life. But really, you're living a very shallow life. You're, you're not really connected to yourself or the other people around you. You have this armour, you know, you have this sort of image of yourself that you're portraying to other people, but it's not really who you are. And I think deep inside people like that is a scared person. It's a scared little boy or girl that's never really confronted themselves and been really honest with themselves. I can't believe people like this actually end up in marriages with kids and, you know, it must just be so shallow and superficial. It's just, how can you really love? How can you really love and be vulnerable with someone if you're, you're so disconnected? You know, it's, it's not real love. It's not real honesty. It's not real vulnerability. You, it's, uh, it's something else. Uh, and I'm saying this because probably I'm, again, I'm venting a little bit, but, uh, it's not what I want to see in the world. I want to see strong women. I want to see soft, compassionate men. You know, I want to see this balancing of the female and male energy. I want to see this this openness in people to be vulnerable, to really, this clarity, this clearness, this truth, you know, these are all words that I sort of promote on this podcast a lot. And it's an outlet for me for that because I want to advocate this in the world. And probably to do that, you have to make changes. You have to change the things you do. You might have to change the job you do. You might have to change some of the practices you have. You might have to do some serious soul searching and digging that could potentially break you. You might have to go to places that you don't like. You might have to be in a place where you lose yourself, you know. I've been there. You know, I, my journey, I I almost feel like I broke myself down to the to the smallest thing till I could really be completely honest with myself and who I was to rebuild myself in a way, you know, to the real me, you know, not not what society and everything else put on me, but the real energetic J, the, the kind of spiritual being that I am. And I had to kind of go through a lot of different things to kind of see myself clearly. And that's an ongoing job. I'm not one of these people that are preaching like I've got it all figured out. I just like to share some things that I did that I thought helped and it's always an ongoing process of discovery and learning. But to do that, you need to be vulnerable and you need to be self-critical. And to do that, you have to be honest with yourself about who you really are. Your lies, your, your, the things you're afraid of. Really deep down, you know, the right in the thick of it, the middle of you, what your really deepest, darkest fear is, that's... That's the truth, you know, that's the truth of you. It's the truth of what drives you. It's the truth of what you really are in a way. And uh, I don't mean it, you are like your lie or you are your, your fear, but it's, it's a big part of transformation. It's a big part of seeing yourself clearly is to be honest with yourself about your faults and your failures and the things that scare you. Uh, and going into those things makes you immensely strong. At the, at, the, at the time of doing it, it's not. You feel like you're 
crippling yourself. You feel like you're breaking yourself down to the point of maybe, like I said, maybe losing yourself. But at the end of it, you you come through. It's the journey. It's the journey of self-discovery. It's the journey of finding out who you really are. But but my feeling is that people that are in these positions that are pushing this kind of agenda around the globe of what we're seeing are not there. They're not doing that. And maybe they have this aspirational to some people lifestyle, but I think they're inherently weak, fragile and shallow. And like I say, they're missing out on all the good things in life or the real, the real things that, that give you the real meaning of what it is to be alive, to really love like deeply, to be vulnerable with someone and to be honest with yourself around who you are. That's, those things can give you things and experiences that no money, no suit, <laughs> no car, no jet will ever give you. Nothing comes close to that. It's a, it's a completely different experience, you know. Maybe they think they experience love or, you know, but it's not, it's not really, it's not a real deep, vulnerable, connected feeling to someone. And like I say, I think you have to make, you have to change your life to do that. You know, you have to change your practices. And I've had to change my practices. I've had to change the things I've, I do. Even the things I liked, you know, I had to change some things that I liked. I mean, I've spoken about this before, but I did Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu for years, you know, and I loved it. It was like my, I identified with it a lot, you know, it was probably out of everything I've ever done in my life, like fighting sports were the things that I was the best at, you know, like I was good at them. I, like instantly I kind of just, I was like, oh, I found my thing, you know. And they gave me lots of things and there's so many things around it that were beautiful. But inherently, I think those practices were definitely left hemisphere dominated. They were around dominating another human being, you know. It's, and that gave me a definite sense of power and, and fun. And, uh, you know, I made some lifelong friends through that process and I'm not condemning it. It's, there's a lot of beautiful things about it. But as a practice, you know, you're you're fighting another person and you're putting them in a position where they have to submit to you. It's a completely dominating sport. And as a practice, I thought this is not cultivating, I think, what I need to cultivate in my life. And I I didn't really know about the hemispheric uh, philosophy or the uh, work that McGilchrist did then. But looking back at it now, you know, I, I was more drawn to yoga and ashtanga and I think it's because the spiritual me was more drawn to a more balanced practice or a more balanced way of being and I think I was always drawn to this need to balance things out and you know so I dropped that and I still miss it and <laughs> I've often thought about going back to it and you know I was much better at Brazilian jiu-jitsu than I'm at yoga like, <laughs> like, like light years it's a different thing but Probably as a practice, it's it gives about a different sensation in the body. And I, like I say, I think that you are what you practice. And your practices make you who you are. So 
it's important to think about the things that we're practicing day to day. And that's everything, the things we say to ourselves, the stories we tell ourselves, the lies we tell, the, the truths we don't bring out, and, uh, and the inability to be critical, the inability to be critical with yourself at your faults and your failures. And, the, you know, there's an unburdening from that. There's a freedom from that, you know. It's, you know, lying and, and that is not free. It's the opposite, you know, and it's not love. Love is not lies. Love is, love is freedom, you know. Love doesn't come from lies. It doesn't come from control. And it doesn't come from being closed off. It comes from being vulnerable and open. And fear is definitely the opposite of love, you know. Doing things from a place of love we all know that when we experience that from people, you know, it's a saying, isn't it? You know, someone might make you some food and they'll say that's made with love. And I've experienced food from people who love me that taste different. <laughs> it tastes different, you know, it's a completely different energy. And, you know, I'm kind of circumnavigating lots of different things here, but COVID, vaccines, all of that agenda is definitely not coming from a place of love and compassion. It's definitely coming from a place of fear and control with an agenda, probably for some people to make money and to manipulate a group of people in a way to do what certain people want that isn't about the benefit of society. I mean, how many people do you know that took a vaccine to go on fucking holiday, yeah? Not criticizing them people, I was desperate for a holiday, but, you know, most people I think took that vaccine to go on holiday, you know? It wasn't about health. None of it really was, you know? Maybe if you're old and sick, probably getting the vaccine might have been good. But after the data I'm reading these days, I think I'd still question it and, I'd um, urge all of you to look into adverse effects from this vaccine. And I'm sure we're not going to get to the end of that uh, in a short time, but uh, it's interesting to see what's coming out around that vaccine. And again, why was that created? For what reason was that created? And I mostly think it wasn't around people's health. I think it was around money and what i would like to see is a society and a group where we're not reliant on the medical industry pharmaceutical companies for our health and well-being i mean how disgusting was it that gyms and places of physical and mental health were closed down you know stuck at home for days and weeks and months at end how many people died alone you know how many people my mate FaceTimed his dad in hospital while he was dying, you know. Uh, I did a couple of video calls with someone who died. He was very close to me that I'll never see again. Uh, I mean, you know, these are just different stories and there's much worse. But uh, it was a lie. It was all lies, you know. All of this was based on lies and manipulation and control. How many people commit suicide? 
you know, I'm going to keep repeating these things, but I really want to hit this home that, like I said at the time, people were measuring everything, you know, how many sick, how many in hospitals, blah, 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 propaganda, manipulation, get people scared. Now, how many people are measuring how many people have died or the deaths related to the vaccine? No one's measuring that shit. Who's measuring how many families broke down or who lived in very dysfunctional environments and, you know, God knows the end, the, the list is endless around the effects of lockdowns and forced mandates on vaccinate. I mean, I, like I said, I'm glad I lived in Norway. If I'd have lived in Canada or other places like that, you know, I would have been fired from my job and, you know, I, I wouldn't have taken a vaccine just to, because someone said I should. I thought it was disgusting mandating that. I mean, I basically didn't work for nearly two years because uh, I couldn't, you know, I'm a yoga teacher. I couldn't, I couldn't work. The studios were closed. I just moved to Norway. I didn't get any support from the government. It was, you know, I basically lived off my savings for two years. It was, ugh, I'm not going to go into a personal story around this, but we've all, we've all uh, experienced uh, the negatives from this. And I'm angry, you know, I'm fucking angry that I and everyone else was forced to live in this way. And I'm never going to let that happen again. It's like a personal stance and what other people do is up to them, but... You know, I think it's shone a light that these governments and institutions and health industries do not really know what they're fucking doing and their interests are mixed, yeah? And I'm never going to allow groups of people like that to dictate what I do with my fucking life ever again and I hope that everyone has that kind of feeling, you know? It's good to trust people and governments and institutions, but... I, I didn't feel like that before this started and I think it's just rammed it home for me more now. But, uh, yeah, you know, I, I could go on a bit of a rant about this, but I'm sorry. <laughs> it's just, uh, hits a few nerves, that one. But, uh, you know, I feel very connected to my body and I have a deeply embodied practice and... Like I say, my body was screaming at me through this whole period uh, of what was going down with a bunch of things. But uh, I could probably talk about this for a lot longer. But I think it's interesting to think about this from this hemispherical um, hypothesis from Ian McGilchrist. And I urge anyone listening to this to kind of dive into that work and it's really shone a lot of light on, for me on the way things can be viewed in the world. By the way, McGillchrist has uh, broken this down, but um, like I said, I've skirted around this COVID thing for a, a bit, but um, I think it's good for me to do this and talk about this. And uh, if anyone wants to reach out to me and give me any feedback, I'd appreciate it because I do struggle actually finding people to talk to about this. And I think that's what gaslighting does to people. It, it's, uh, it's an avoidant thing. I think a lot of people just want to forget about it because they feel that they were gaslit. I think I can't imagine really anyone now feeling good about taking that vaccine, really. I'm, I struggle with that. Uh, maybe I'm sure there are, but 
Um, I think when you've been gaslit into doing something, it's maybe harder to sort of um, acknowledge it and talk about it and be honest with yourself about it. I mean, I remember when the vaccine thing just started coming out and someone come up to me and said to me, uh, they started a casual conversation about the vaccine and they were talking about how they'd had it done and uh, kind of kept talking about it, you know, and I realised what they were trying to do was get me to agree that what they'd done was a good thing. And I realised that this person was not confident about what they'd just done. But like most people, when they do things that they're not really sure about, I think they kind of want other people to agree with them because it will reinforce their own thoughts. And I didn't do that. I was like, right, well, it's up to you. But I'm imagining how many people feel like that. And I'm curious. And like I say, if anyone wants to kind of message me and give me some feedback around their experience of this, because I think it's a conversation that needs to be had more as a, is to not forget this, is to not let this slide, you know, it's, uh, this it should not be forgotten. And I think there's some changes that can be done to, uh, to try to make sure this doesn't happen again, because I want to feel free in my life. And I think as humans, we all want that. We need that. You know, I think we're so controlled as it is, even when I think growing up, you know, which feels a completely different vibe with freedom. But when I look at every other species on this planet, you know, <laughs> other than, you know, <laughs> sort of farming industry and pets and stuff like that, you know, they're pretty free to kind of live in their bodies and their intuitive instinctual state. But humans are largely controlled and we're large we largely control our emotions and our our ways of being and uh you know i think another thing lockdown taught me was that if this way of living means that it's kind of safer i'd think i'd rather live in an unsafe world because this isn't the way to live being alive is inherently risky yeah it's inherently fragile it's inherently um it's not controlled yeah it's not controlled to be alive and it shouldn't be there has to be an acknowledgement of risk it's risky to be alive yeah and that's all right death is around the corner at any time for anyone and that's not morbid it's just it's good to acknowledge that you know and it's good to feel alive. It's good to have, be a little bit afraid. It's good to have some, and it's good to feel a little bit on the edge sometimes that something might happen because that's what it's like to be alive. But not when it's coming from some corrupt organisation that's trying to make you money, make money. I'm talking about, I don't know, maybe you go for a ride on a motorbike. Maybe you go skiing. Maybe you, I don't know, whatever you might do, but there's an inherent risk to doing something and we shouldn't, uh, remove that from society and just cotton wool and baby everything. It's it's just numbing everything down to the point of boredom. You know, we shouldn't be so fucking comfortable all the time and safe. It's we all we all need levels of it, yeah, home life, whatnot. But there has to be some acknowledgement of risk. We can't control everything. Some people will get sick and die. 
some people's immune system is not good. Some people are fragile. Some people will die. It's all right. We can't control everything and we shouldn't. There needs to be an acceptance of death. Death is part of life. There is no life without death. It's I could, I'm going to do another episode about fear because this is a big one. I think that unless you come to terms with that, it's, uh, it's going to drive your life in certain directions otherwise. We need to acknowledge that this is all part of the process. And again, this is this hemispherical thing. When you're more in your right hemisphere and more in this kind of intuitive state around interconnectedness and other practices that encourage that, you're way more accepting of the ups and downs, the of death, things that can go wrong. It's it's okay. We don't need to control everything. And there's an anxiety that's dropped when you acknowledge that and when you come to terms with that, that you don't need to control everything all the time. It's you shouldn't. It's it's just dead energy. You know, you, the the flow of life, the the changes that can and can't happen, the allowing things to lo- be lost, letting things end. You know, the there's such a relief from dropping control. You know, to people die, relationships end, some people get sick, some things happens to us that we don't want, to people we love it. There's an allowance for that in society for things to happen. And uh, it's all right, you know, it will always be all right. (laughs) Always. (laughs) Even when it doesn't feel like it will be, it will always be all right. It's it's okay. Whatever comes, you know, it's... uh, uh, I might do another episode on that, actually, this, uh, this concept of afterlife or reincarnation I've got my own thoughts and views and observations around that from an energetic level these days but uh, definitely letting go of so much control and, and accepting change is such a healthier way to live than trying to control everything yeah I might leave it there but uh, if anyone wants to drop me some feedback on this COVID thing, it's cool, you know, whatever your thoughts and views. And that goes for any of my episodes, actually, because, uh, yeah, if anyone wants to reach out. But um, I'll leave it there. Take care. Ciao.